This is a Broad Pods production. This is Pause Beyond the Court. Playing a team sport when you're a young woman creates friendships, community, and fitness, along with delivering a few challenges too. Joe White, a mum and qualified social worker, has gathered those in the know from teens to experts to Olympic champs and beyond to make navigating those challenges much easier with a bonus mindful moment in each episode. Hi, I'm Joe, and Dr. Izzy Smith joins me today. She's a physician and endocrinologist. What does that mean? She's an expert in hormones and periods and is here to tell us what happens every month and how it affects how we play. How do you think hormones can affect your behaviour on court? I guess like hormones has something to do with like, I guess your attitude and you might be like losing or get a foul and you don't think like it was. Do you think hormones actually make you foul? <laughs> no, no. Hold on. Okay. Um, basically, so I think hormones are, like have something to do with your attitude or something and then say that like you're losing or you get a foul that like and you're not really happy about it. Um, you might like be more upset about it or like angry about it, but I guess just like I don't know. Um, I feel like it affects your mood and stuff. So sometimes if you like feeling happy before the game and then you're on court and somebody like does something like accidentally hits you and you just get so mad at them that you want to like like push them over or whatever. I feel like you can get more mad and upset over small things such as fouling. What do you think is the best protection when playing sport when you're on your period? I guess whatever you feel comfortable. Yeah, like depends like what you are comfortable with. Like, if you're not comfortable with a tampon or whatever, then don't use that. Just use whatever you want. Um, I think that everyone's different and just because your friend is using something doesn't mean that it will work for you, so whatever you're comfortable with. What do you think if a girl was trying out for rep or championship and really wanted to do well but happened to get her period the night before, what do you think you would suggest to her to do? I feel like your period shouldn't really impact the way you play sports that much. Yeah, like maybe just like doing whatever you need for yourself. Like if you need to, like if your cramps are like really bad, then making sure you're drinking a lot of water, putting heat packs on it, maybe Nurofen or Panadol or something to help. Would you suggest that she could talk to someone? Like maybe her mum or the coach? Um, I reckon she could talk to her mum and depends how comfortable you are with your coach. Izzy, thank you so much for joining me today. You're an endocrinologist, which is also a doctor who specialises in hormones. Yes, that's correct. So I'm a physician and we specialise into different things and I look after all problems related to hormones, which is lots of things, but my main interest is female athletes. Fantastic. Can you tell us what is a period? I think what is best to understand is also more, more the whole menstrual cycle. 
And so the menstrual cycle is um, changes in female hormones um, produced by the ovaries that result in an egg being ovulated. Um, and then if pregnancy doesn't occur, a period happens. And that cycle happens around every 28 days. Um, and it's associated with changes in two main hormones, estrogen and progesterone. And that can have an impact on our mood, our athletic performance, our appetite, our sleep, so many different things. The menstrual cycle can also be a good barometer of health. And if the body is being nourished and it's recovering well, because if they're not occurring, it means the body's under too much stress and it turns off the menstrual cycle. Um, and the period, yeah, is just one part of that, which is the, you know, the menstrual bleed, which is generally about four to six days. And, you know, this occurs around once every month, um, but menstrual cycles can change from, you know, around 21 to 35 days being normal. And then for younger people, you know, the kind of adolescence, it can also be, you know, bigger range as the menstrual cycle starts to become regular. So how does it actually affect the body in general? So that is a great question. Um, and like everything, it's pretty nuanced. And I say to people, puberty is different. Pregnancy is different. Um, menopause is different for each woman. And that also means that how the period impacts each woman is different. So when we have the menstrual period, our two main hormones, estrogen, which is really the main female hormone that helps keeps our bones strong. It's protective for cardiovascular disease and dementia. Uh, it helps, you know, with our ligaments and also helps us, you know, gain, you know, gain muscle. Um, estrogen is quite low. After the menstrual period, messages from our brain tell our ovaries to make hormones. They're the little follicles in the ovaries that develop each month and they can, one can be ovulated, um, and, you know, and that's an, an egg and how pregnancy occurs. But so we have our period, then we start to produce estrogen from the follicles and it's only estrogen that is made. So there's no progesterone until after we ovulate. So we have the estrogen levels gradually increase until about day 14. There's a, a big spike of estrogen and that is what triggers ovulation. But it's also particularly relevant to female athletes, especially basketball players, as it's associated with increased risk of ligament injuries when there's that estrogen spike. So, um, and especially ACL injuries. So we see that, you know, there's around a 20 to 30% increased risk of ACL injuries at the time of ovulation. So that we have the estrogen spike and then the egg is released. And then another hormone comes on board, which is progesterone. So progesterone isn't present in that first part of the menstrual cycle. It only is released if ovulation has occurred. So in that second part of the cycle, we have estrogen and progesterone. They gradually start to increase. And progesterone can cause our core temperature to increase, you know, a very small amount, um, which, you know, maybe not so relevant if it's Melbourne and winter. But if you're playing somewhere it's hot and humid, this can impact our body's ability to dissipate heat and we can feel warmer, especially when we're doing high-intensity exercise. It can also make us hungrier. We know the second part of the cycle our metabolism increases a little bit, so we might need a little bit more fuel. We also know that estrogen, which is really great for building muscle tissue, um, it's an anabolic hormone. Progesterone has more opposite effects. It's more um, causes kind of muscle tissue breakdown. It's more a catabolic type hormone. So 
everyone is different in terms of how these two hormones may impact them. But some athletes might feel a little bit more tired in that second part of their cycle, especially those days before the period occurs when progesterone is really high. And there's data showing that, you know, PMS, premenstrual um, you know, syndrome, which is maybe poor mood, irritability, I say I have a monthly existential crisis just before my period, is related to that high progesterone because it impacts our serotonin, our dopamine, um, and some of those, you know, hormones that control our mood. Again, it's all really individual. And some people feel that their performance and their mood is not impacted by their menstrual cycle at all, whereas some people, you know, feel that they can't race or train at all to their normal standard at different parts of the cycle. So that's a long-winded explanation of what a period is. But I think having a basic understanding of what's going in our body is really empowering because it can also not only help us, you know, track our cycle and know where we might perform better or not so good and where we might be able to train harder and recover better, but can also help us be kind to ourselves and know, you know, I'm feeling a bit crap right now. I'm not performing my best, but hey, my period's due in a few days. I'm not going to be hard on myself about it. Yeah, I think that's really important, isn't it? Because I guess playing sport or being an athlete, they're the expectations that you place on yourself um, and I think for females and girls and young women there needs to be that consideration that there are things beyond their control um, and to really factor that in and be kind to themselves and work with that as best they can. I love that you um, touched on training versus recovery and I'm wondering are there different approaches that are suitable for this time? Now Joe, this is all a very new field and the impact of menstrual cycle on performance, recovery, training has really only been getting attention in the research field for the last, you know, 10 or so years. And the quality of research has been pretty poor until recently. So there are definitely, uh, you know, elite sporting clubs that are really, you know, tracking people's cycle and modifying their training and recovery dependent on their cycle. The American women's soccer team said that's one of the reasons why I think they won the World Cup or I can't remember what it was last time but I think they won the World Cup and they really felt that you know the athletes uh, modifying their training at different parts helped do we have really great evidence yet in big studies showing you will recover better or train better at this point not really um, and that's probably because there's a high degree of individual variability and the studies that have been done haven't been so good but yes there are things that we can do and uh, the company that I work for, Femi, which is a female running company, we generally train our athletes harder in that first part of their cycle. We get them to do heavier strength type training, harder uh, interval training, because people gen generally tend to recover better in those first couple of weeks. Then in those second weeks, so after ovulation, especially the week before period, we back off the intensity of the training because we generally find athletes take a little bit longer to recover from. We also, because of the progesterone in that second part of the cycle, which we know can break down protein tissue, it's always important for female athletes to make sure they're getting adequate protein. But in that second part of the cycle, we really try and emphasize to our athletes try and have a bit of protein with each meal due to that catabolic effect of progesterone. There 
has been some research from the Murdoch Children's Research Institute that most young people who have periods will experience some pain. How do you think athletes can best manage pain? Yeah, I and it's such a subjective thing of what is a normal amount of period pain. And I think that, as we said, understanding feeling a little bit low before your period can be normal in the same way a little bit of discomfort around the time of your period can also be normal. I'd say if you're needing to have days off school or work or you're needing to take painkillers beyond Sampandrol or ibuprofen, firstly, that is not normal and it needs to be investigated. So that's the first thing. If it is really having a significant impact on a young person's life, it needs to be reviewed by a doctor. Then in terms of things to do that can decrease the significance of period pain, so we know regular physical activity decreases uh, the impact of period pain, and this has been well studied, and it's likely because exercise modulates you know, inflammation, and that means that when we have that inflammation at our period, it can you know, decrease the, you know, the significance of the inflammation and the pain it causes. Things that we can also do is uh, there's some evidence that magnesium supplementation can decrease period pain and a little bit of evidence for you know calcium supplementation as well decreasing that kind of whole PMS syndrome so making sure you're getting enough magnesium and calcium is important sometimes a supplement especially magnesium can be beneficial some people will take a like a ibuprofen or like so a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory because the period pain is caused by these chemicals called, called prostaglandins that kind of help break down the lining of the endometrium and they trigger pain. It's also why we can get diarrhea at the time of our period because those prostaglandins can go you know, through to the rectum and cause inflammation that causes diarrhea. So that is normal and having you know some extra fiber for some people can be beneficial to help decrease that, You know, I call them period poos. Um, but the pain itself then, so, so, you know, regular exercise, magnesium is beneficial. Um, maybe an anti-inflammatory can help as well. Um, and then trying to do some gentle light activity. If you, you know, you might not want to be doing your biggest high intensity workout when you've got your period and you're exhausted, but maybe some light walking or a light jog has also has evidence for helping manage period pain. For young girls or women playing sport, what is the recommended protection? So when we're looking at pads and tampons or maybe a menstrual cup, do you have any suggestions or recommendations as to the best protection? I would really say it's going to be down to the individual and what they feel comfortable. Uh, for some people, a tampon might be uncomfortable, um, You know, for, especially for younger women, um, vaginismus can also cause, you know, a lot of um, discomfort having a tampon, whereas some people find them completely fine to use, even with their first few periods. I think the combination of products can also be beneficial. So whether it's a menstrual cup and then with period undies, I think they're a great, um, you know, thing that's come into the market. But there's really not one recommended, you know, type of product that a young woman should be using. It's going to be about what she feels comfortable with. There's all of this taboo about periods and bleeding. And I think it's really good that recently there's been some elite athletes that have called this out. There was a triathlete recently who some man made a, you know, comment because she was, you know, had, you could see that she had some a little bit of menstrual bleeding through her triathlon suit. And some man made a comment saying, you know, that's not a very flattering photo. And she was really upfront, you know, women get periods, we're athletes. That's going to happen from time to time. The Wimbledon athlete saying, you know, it's ridiculous that we're made to wear white shorts as females, you know, we, 
you know, when we have to also deal with periods. So I think the other thing is, you know, changing cultures that we're not absolutely terrified. What happens if a little bit of blood came through my undies and someone saw periods happen to 50% of females and it's really time we normalize this and have the next generation of females not feeling shame or taboo about a completely normal bodily function that actually is an indicator of health. Yeah, I agree with you. Really important that um, and that it's talked about, but also that there are uh, role models out there that are normalizing this and that it shouldn't be such a taboo subject and lessen- lessening the pressure that um, young women face um, when it comes to this topic. Um what do you think is the best way um, to communicate, say, with a coach or team manager or even a club to support young women playing sport? Coaches need some basic education about working with female athletes. I, without like plugging my own um, product, but so I was an athlete, I was a gymnast and I became a runner and me and a few other runners teamed up. One was a physio, one's a dietitian, one's a psychologist because we all lost our period through over-exercising because we were all very good athletes training a lot of hours in endurance sports. Not a single coach asked us, you know, are you still menstruating? There was athletes getting bone stress injuries and, you know, you know, stress fractures and no one asked. So I think coaches need some basic education on, um, you know, what we've just talked about that, you know, performance can change at different times. Also performance changes at different periods of athletes' lives. So female athletes' performance drops at puberty and some athletes will find it really hard because they're not keeping on getting their PBs and they're not, you know, on that initial trajectory they were in that kind of primary school age. I think athletes need to know this as do coaches and, you know, say you stay consistent, understand that this phase will pass your body's putting so much energy into growing and developing so that's one thing athlete coaches need to know about the different phases of a female you know life and the different times that might impact her performance and not train them too hard in that time when their you know bone density is rapidly improving and all these other things then understanding the importance of periods for overall health um, estrogen is only made when we have a menstrual cycle and estrogen is critical for bone health and we don't want young athletes losing their periods and not being able to reach their peak bone density and then coaches need education in communication as well because these topics are still taboo you're not going to have the 14 year old girl go up to her 40 year old male coach saying hey I've got my period can we talk about this and that's where we need the environmental and cultural changes even if it's things like, you know, posters in dressing rooms and not even just in the dressing room, in the big public spaces. So it does become more normal. I think some education in the form of schools and sporting organizations where you have people like you or me come in and talk about these things and give advice of, you know, when you should talk to your coach about it. But I think we really need to change the environment for young female athletes so they responsibility is not on them to be the one that raises hey my period impacts me at this time or I've got my period it just needs to be you know a much more normal and spoken about thing I'm sure tech will have a big impact going forward you know everyone's on apps and as especially in that quite high performance um, space where everyone's putting in data on how they feel you know a coach might have the list of her they're 12 athletes and know, okay, this person's at this cycle, this person's at this part. I definitely think that is where the future will be going for female athletes in that kind of elite space at least. 
How do you think parents can best support their female athletes when it comes to their period? Oh, that's a great question. One that I haven't considered that much myself, I guess, as I'm not a parent, um, but I have a lot of adolescent athletes. And one, I guess, period itself and is one factor of it. And then there's young female athletes as a broader discussion. So firstly, taking away, I'm going to talk a bit general, you know, getting rid of diet culture and this idea that females need to eat less than male athletes or females shouldn't be, you know, doubling up at pasta and ice cream. Carbohydrates and getting enough nutrition is so important for young athletes. And unfortunately, I still see um, generally mothers pass on some unhealthy relationships to food to their young adolescents. So I think one, fostering a really healthy environment in the home regarding relationships to food and it being fuel and the importance of fueling for young athletes because that's important for maintaining menstrual periods occurring in the first place. Um, parents uh, should be aware that if their, you know, their, their daughter hasn't had a menstrual period by the age of 15, that needs a medical review. Um, menstrual periods should start two years within, you know, breast development and, um, you know, with young women not getting their periods is a warning sign that there's something going on in terms of whether it's a medical condition or they're overtraining and they haven't been able to have normal pubertal development because of excessive exercise. Specific to periods, I think it's, again, what we said about normalising, you know, having periods, tampons, uh, menstrual cups around the house and normalising discussions around this. And again, that there's nothing to be ashamed of or taboo and it shouldn't stop you playing sport. I think something that makes me a little bit upset, and I think it comes with well-meaning, but I see some organisations regarding menstrual cycle overemphasise the impact of having a period in terms of you should get the day off school or the day off work or the day off training. We need to get rid of this old school notion that a period means someone needs to rest in this an invalid. So, you know, encouraging women that there's no reason they shouldn't play sport just because they've got their period. Um, it's actually from a hormonal perspective, not a bad time to exercise. And lots, some women find they actually perform their best at their uh, period. So, encouraging athletes that they can still train well on their period it's not the end of the world that they've got the period on a tournament or other sporting day um the other thing i was going to say especially for young adolescent athletes sometimes when periods first start they can be very heavy because they're often what we call an anovulatory cycle initially that an egg won't always be released so some young girls can get really heavy periods initially and there's different ways of managing this um, but that's something that should be spoken to with a doctor because sometimes some progesterone or some other medications are not necessarily just to combine oral contraceptive pill there's lots of different things we can do can be beneficial so having a good relationship with a GP that your you know young you know adolescent athlete um, feels comfortable talking to as well and someone who's got experience in women's health and preferably women's health and athlete health as well. So, Izzy, is there anything else that you think parents should be aware of when it comes to health and well-being for young women in sport? I think mental health and body image are really important to acknowledge are common in athletes and especially female athletes. My sport of running is an individual sport, so a higher risk. 
Um, whereas team sports, not so much in terms of the increased risk of depression and mental illnesses. But we do know all sports, especially at that elite level, unfortunately, do have increased risk of eating disorder and disordered eating behaviours. I work in the eating disorder space and anorexia nervosa is a terrible, terrible condition and early intervention is critical. So I would say, as we discussed before, modeling really healthy behaviors with food and relationships to food, they're not being good or bad, um, you know, foods being allowed or not allowed. But if you do start to see any concerns of those unhealthy relationships with food developing, talking to the athlete, talking to a GP and getting advice and services earlier because unfortunately, uh, you know, the longer that those behaviours persist, often it's harder to treat. So early intervention in eating disorders is really important. And unfortunately, with COVID and lockdowns, we did see that the rates of eating disorders in young women, you know, as a bit of a you know coping response to all the stress and tragedy that was going on in their lives have increased. So I think that's the last thing of really, um, and, you know, mental health as well, often young females are put down to being, you know, they're just a bit moody, they're hormonal. And uh, I, I think that's, you know, can be unfortunately overlooked as, you know, a much more serious mental illness going on um, with teenagers often being quite withdrawn. So uh, normalizing discussions around mental health, how we're feeling, knowing it's normal to feel better or good or worse or have hard times are discussions that will be really beneficial in the present and also for your young adult going forward in their lives because we all know life's a bit of a roller coaster we all have hard times and I think the earlier we learn some of those good resilience and coping mechanism skills and kind of you know tools in our toolbox for our well-being um, the better. Wonderful. Summed it up perfectly. Izzy thank you so much for joining me today. Valuable information and good luck. Thanks so much, Joe. One White Minute. We all have thoughts that are sometimes negative or persistent, but they aren't always factual. Are you dwelling on something that you are finding hard to release? This quick visualisation exercise can help you to let it go, and if you can't do it right now, save this for later. I'm Joe White. And this is One White Minute. Start by closing your eyes. Look ahead and visualise a river. There is a raft at the water's edge. Walk towards the raft. Now, it's time for you to unload those unhelpful thoughts from your mind and place them on the raft. Your raft is full with your burdens. Now it's time to untie your raft and to release it. Now visualise a huge current that takes your raft away. Visualise your raft sailing away and down the river. By doing this exercise, you are acknowledging that you are releasing those unhelpful thoughts and letting them go. They are removed from you. Pause beyond the court 